Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Well, if you got a Bible, open it up to 2 Corinthians. We're going to go chapter 8 today. Um, but to kind of set that up, uh, we'll get there in a second. Um, but how many of you feel like we're living in interesting times, huh? Yeah, 2024. I mean, it's like, are we going to have a 2025? I mean, it's like... <laughs> Hey, praise God. So anyway, there's a, lot, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things going on in our world. And um, this kind of floating anxiety about our future, I think we're all kind of feeling that to one degree or another. And, and sensing, I'm sensing this kind of rising feeling and sentiment that if there was ever a moment, and this is kind of what I feel like you know, the world's kind of issuing, if there was ever a moment to look out for number one, now would be the time. You ever kind of feel those kind of messages kind of bleed through, kind of what you're hearing? Right now, if it's the time to look out for number one, now is the time. But I really think God has a word for us this morning that's going to counter that whole spirit. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Lord God, we came this morning to hear from you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just be on this word this morning God, speak to our hearts. God, open up our minds, open up our imaginations to the people that you have called us to be, your sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, and that, God, that we could be uh, the expression of you and your presence and your hands and feet in this generation. Father, I pray that we would not get caught up in the traps of the enemy. God, that we would see them and, Lord, operate in the counter spirit, Lord, to the spirit of this world. And so, Lord, I thank you for this time. Open up our hearts and our ears and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, my brother. Okay. Um, So, scriptures tell us that God created the world with opportunity and abundance. Yet, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And so, the scriptures also claim that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, our problem is our mindset that God cannot be trusted. Mm. I think that song kind of came up against, do we really trust in a God who loves us and gave himself for us? Is he worth trusting? And once we're deceived into the mindset of scarcity, the urge to take care of you and yours before everyone else takes over And that leads to a multitude of different things, anger, envy, jealousy, violence, and an existence where it seems like there's not enough. What God intended to be a party hosted by God himself, who generously gives and provides to his creation, has now become a battlefield of scarcity, it seems like. And so we clearly see throughout the scriptures, that God wanted humans to experience His generosity, His generous love. And so, out of the human families, He picks one. He chooses a family named Abraham 
And he liberally blesses him and his family. He gives them a promise, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. There's something of a quality of God's promise that it's not just a blessing about you. It's blessing so that it can be transferred, it can be passed on to other people around us. And so he blessed them. He gave them promises of abundance that he desired for all the nations, but he chose one to begin his restoration project. And all they had to do was trust Yahweh's faithful generosity. That's all they had to do. But of course, we see that they fail. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance and prosperity, and yet they swiftly abandon Yahweh, who gave it to them. They act like the other nations, while in an abundant land, they still think there's not enough. And it leads to a lot of things. Idolatry. Leads to idolatry. Leads to man turning to idols as a substitute for God himself. Praise God. Um, And it leads to idolatry, war, and to Israel's own self-destruction. But yet, as we know, that's the story of the Old Testament. But God wasn't done. He gave another generous gift to humanity through His own self, through Jesus. Jesus always lived with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous Creator can be trusted. Jesus' mindset of God's gracious abundance allowed Him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. That's why Jesus said things like, look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. You should live that way too. Okay? How about even Jesus turning the few loaves and fishes to feed thousands? God's generous abundance has to be trusted first. Living generously doesn't mean God's plan and calling for your life is always kind of up and to the right. We sometimes think that, man, if I serve God, man, everything in my life is going to be blue skies. But as we see, even in Jesus' own life himself, as he lived only doing what he saw his father doing, saying only what he saw his father saying, He was tortured. (laughs) He was abused. He was falsely accused. He was harassed, betrayed, suffered greatly. He also said this, your heavenly Father already knows all that you need, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow. Today already has enough worries for itself. Jesus knew that we're all hopelessly deceived about this lie, about this lie of scarcity, about this lie that God cannot be trusted, that he's not going to pull through for us. Jesus knew that this lie from the enemy and of our own making needed to be conquered. It was as if he saw us for the orphans that we are, scratching and clawing, looking out for our own happiness, sometimes at the expense of others around us. Jesus knew this lie was not trusting God, and the sin and rebellion that fuels it needed to be defeated. That's why Paul, or Jesus said this in Mark 10, For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others, and to give my life as a ransom for many. 
He gave his life as a gift for the ultimate expression of God's generous love to ransom them back from slavery to this fallen evil world system and its broken ways, to liberate and set us free into the kingdom of God where he can turn death into life. He can take a rebel and make him a royal priest. And he can turn scarcity back into abundance. We lean to him. And it's with this view of the gospel that we kind of find and pick up in 2 Corinthians verse 8, this kind of worldview that Paul is bringing into this letter about a God who is a generous God, a God who is a faithful God, a God who looks out after his sons and daughters and has a promise to them. And so, um, yeah, so we're going to dive in. Second uh, Corinthians, verse 8, one other setup. Around this time, there was a famine that hit the whole area of Judea. Around mid-50s, there was a whole famine, and some fell into great need and poverty. And the Christians back in Jerusalem were really, really suffering. And so what Paul did is that he thought, man, this church in Jerusalem is tremendously suffering I've got a whole network of churches that have now been planted kind of through me and my team. And so what Paul does is he sends words out to these churches to say, Hey, y'all, there's a severe need in Jerusalem. Can you please give a gift so that we can send it to the believers in Jerusalem? And that's one of the main reasons why Titus brought this letter to the Corinthians was not just to kind of uh, uh, smooth over... Uh, there was a background that we had two weeks ago, but kind of smooth over, Paul had a misunderstanding with this church. So Paul's sending this letter to kind of smooth that over, but the main goal of this letter is that they had committed, the, the Corinthian church had committed to giving a large gift to the church in Jerusalem. They committed it. They pledged it. They said, hey, Paul, we're going to give X amount, and they had only given a small amount of that pledge. And so Paul sends Timothy to say, hey, what a great opportunity for now you to come through on your pledge and give to the believers in Jerusalem. So that's a full setup, contextually, of where we're going to start off. So 2 Corinthians 8. And so while Paul could, he could kind of pull out his little apostolic badge and say, hey, guys, you said you're going to give. Come on, give. He doesn't say that. He doesn't kind of lean on his authority. All he does is he gives us a few examples of when generosity captures God's people. 2 Corinthians 8.1. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God's grace has done through the churches in Macedonia. So he's given them an example of what happened in Macedonia. They were being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Verse 3, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than what we hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. This church in Macedonia, they were begging for the gift of being a part of gift giving. 
sacrificially to these people. I'll say this, hardship and poverty are not barriers to generosity. Hardship and poverty are not barriers to generosity. Sometimes you see this kind of glitch kind of come out. And it's like, well, I'll be generous when? I'll be, I'll be liberally giving to everyone around me when? And it's this far off, but yet the most generous people that I know on the planet, the most, honestly never have much. If you know a generous person in your life, like the one that has like the gift of giving, many times they don't have much, but they've found the secret that God is always faithful to give to them so they can bless others and rely on that promise. Rich and poor are being redefined by the gospel. What does it mean to be rich? And what does it mean to be poor? Whatever they have, these people are giving generously. Now, I will say, we're not going to land this message with some like building campaign, okay? There's no, this isn't, I'll just say this, all right? Sometimes when giving comes up in church, it's like, all right, what's the project, dude? Right? So there's, no, no, no. This is just about us getting the spirit of being a generous people. Amen? Just wanted to say that. Let's answer that question right off. Okay. And we're doing good, man. You guys are a generous people, so praise God. So, um, all right, where was I? Okay. The Macedonians knew that they were loved and they were generously given they're given in this situation because they generously knew, not generously, they knew the generous gift of eternal life that they now have, and it's incomparable to anything else in the world. And because they were just like, God, we're so grateful for what you've done in our own heart of sealing us, of putting your Holy Spirit in us, of taking us out of the dominion of darkness and putting us under the kingdom of God's dear Son. God, thank you. And anything that we can do to help your kingdom grow, we're all in. Now they're, re they're reflecting that same generosity of Jesus in this situation. Paul says to the Corinthians that, that they excel in so many ways, that they excel in their faith. They have gifted speaker, speakers, this is kind of verse 8, in their knowledge and their enthusiasm in Christ. Man, you are, you are exemplary. But one more thing that I wish that you had in excellence is a gift of generosity, spirit of generosity to you. And then he says this, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, I know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. It's the gospel in money imagery right there. Jesus of highest status, sacrificially giving up himself so others may be elevated out of their spiritual, emotional, mental, and, and physical poverty. He encourages them to become rich in God. Now, I will say, we as human beings have so much brokenness inside that we take these gifts of existence, of life, of ability, of resourcefulness, even our own resources. And what do we do? We end up blowing it all on me. 
right? All in yourself. It's like we take all these wonderful gifts that God bestowed to us, and we think that we are the primary recipient of those gifts. But God wrote himself into the story, and he entered into our poverty, and at the cross, he takes on and absorbs our sin and guilt, but also the pain and suffering of our world, and he gifts us with love and grace. What an exchange. That word grace is the word charis, and it means divine ability and a gift. God's grace to you is God wants to provide you his supernatural divine ability to live a generous life. It's a gift. He gives us his life. Now hear this. He gives us his life, a life so powerful that it conquers death and the grave. And that same life, if you're a follower of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit, if you're a new creation, that same life lives in you. It defeats death and the grave. It defeats all the lies of the enemy. It defeats the schemes of the enemy on your life. That abundant life that Jesus came to give you. That life now lives in you. Jesus makes possible a new way to become a new and different kind of human being. Not in our own power, but in the power and the presence of one who loved us and gave himself up for us. And he goes on, 2 Corinthians 8. It says, now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness that you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. A gift according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean that you should give so much that you suffer for not having too little. Okay, there's a balance here. Being a generous people, not at the expense of your own family, not at the expense of you, know, you paying your rent and causing a slew of other problems. It's about being a generous people. God reminds them not only to give what they have, but not what they don't have. He says, remember this, 9-6, he says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Man, world-changing information right there, right? Man who sows little reaps little. Uh, one of my mentors, um, he, uh, we were out on uh, USC college campus doing some ministry uh, USC Trojans, fight on. And uh, there we go, my wife. Anyway, so, uh, so we were out there, and the first day we were out there, we were sitting over coffee, and he kind of had this serious tone on him. And he goes, you know what, Dave? Let me tell you what I've learned. After 15 years of following Jesus, he goes, the more time you preach the gospel, the more people get saved. Brilliant. But a lot of times we fail to sow the seed because we're afraid that God is going to leave us out on the ledge just in the wind. We don't really understand how God partners with his people to be conduits of grace, conduits of his gospel. In living right in front of their eyes, what is the gospel? It's that we share our lives with others. We demonstrate the gospel but we also use our mouth to draw people unto him. 
He says this, But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See this principle? Man, you're giving uh, in faith, joyfully. And it says, then you will always have everything you need. Man, there's the principle of God's kingdom. Man, you give. God always provides seed to the sower. Always. Always. It's a promise. So being a generous people, the promise of abundance for those who generously sow seeds of life to others. And that's what I feel God has called all of us to. Jesus has called his followers to live life now like the real party's already begun. That the host is here. That this grand party has actually begun. And you're invited into it. A party of the kingdom of God, hosted by God himself. God invites us into this party where His Holy Spirit can teach us to trust Him. I want you to pause real quick and kind of think back on your life. Think back on your life. Think about the times that God was generous to you. That God came through in a way that you didn't expect. You had one expectation, but when God came through, it came through, not just came through, but came through so much better than you would have thought before. So many times we forget God's faithfulness to our own life. And it's almost like we don't have a record of His faithfulness looking into the future. That it's almost as if kind of a, a mystery game that God's going to maybe be there for us, maybe not. No, no, no. If you look back on your history, God's with you every step of the way. What makes the future change? What makes the future change is you giving more place to fear in your life than God in his word. And that's where we have to, we have to begin to sow into our own life this resistance, this resistance to the world and its system, the world and its lies, the world and its envy and jealousy. No, 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 that, uh, scarcity that you don't have enough, lies. Again, hardship and poverty have nothing to do with your generosity. It's a state of our heart. And that when you live a life like this, like Jesus did, with the firm conviction of abundance that God supplies, and when you believe that there's enough, check this, when you believe that there's enough, you begin start seeing opportunities all around you of how you can be generous. Now, I will say, you know, for, for those that have followed Christ for a long time and maybe have a, have a track record of generosity, here's a little extra word. Maybe in the next season, God wants to pivot your generosity to maybe some other way of being generous. That God wants to expand your kind of tool belt of your generosity. It might have been easy to just kind of give a gift. Now, now maybe God's asking you to maybe be generous with your time. It's what are we being generous with? How about hosting people in our homes in such a way that they sense the generosity of heaven when they come? How they're served, how they're loved. Let it be. 
So here's kind of this, this final word I have. Your generosity is a direct reflection of how well you've grasped and understood God's gift of his conquering and an abundant life that now lives in you. Mm. Our generosity, reflection of how much we understand what God's done for us. And as we truly comprehend that, and that, that, that life now lives in you, Man, God, open up my eyes to see the opportunities for me to be generous, not to look out for number one, but God, especially in this season around us, everyone's going to be kind of looking out for number one. Just kind of just keep your, it's the way it's going to be. So as God's people, how do we come in and counter that spirit? By a generous spirit. By not looking out just for us, but it's like, hey, we're going to look out for you too. Amen? So there's all these opportunities to our neighbors. I mean, that's one of the things that I just, man, there's, our neighbors are just untapped. Do you know all 10 of your neighbors? If not, one of, there's a good little moment to start your generosity track. Go be generous with the people that live around you. How about being generous with people at work? Man, somebody's going through it. Man, somebody did something great. Celebrate that. Be generous with who you are. God wants us to fully see his continued abundant provision now that he has bestowed in us that same life to continue to see it flow out to others. So my encouragement is don't let the spirit of the day snuff out God's generous spirit that we have as a people. Sharing with others demonstrates our trust that God is generous and that God is going to pull through. By being generous, it's an act of faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you, God, that you have worked a lot of this word into our hearts already. But Lord, I I pray that you would open up our eyes to you being the generous God that you are. Father, we may have some lies that, Lord, you withheld from us. Lord, that you failed us. But, Lord, I pray that we could almost go back on those mental tapes and rewrite this story because, God, we're realizing that maybe you've been faithful with us the whole time. That maybe our expectations were wrong. Maybe our own will for our own life was not the will that you had for us. And so, God, you had to shut some things down. But, Father, I pray... That, Lord, this morning and in this season, God, our hearts would grow with trust in you. Trust that you're going to pull through. Trust that you're the ultimate provider. Lord, that we would not rely on the things of this world to give our hearts security. But, God, in you and you alone, bring our security, Father. God, help us grasp and understand this gift of your conquering abundant life that we can experience in the here and now. God, that we wouldn't be hoarders of that spirit. God, that we wouldn't be even selfish with that spirit. Just looking out for ourselves and looking out for our own uh, you know, spiritual enlightenment. But God, get us our eyes on you and on people and your love for people. God, grow our love for others. God, grow us. 
And God, open our eyes to the opportunities that you place before us to be a generous people. God, little things. Maybe they don't need money. Maybe it's just a smile and a prayer. Maybe it's just, God, that we're, that we're looking for opportunities to give your life away. Father, open up our eyes and move our mouth and move our bodies in obedience to you when we sense those moments that, God, that we wouldn't kind of overthink it. God, we'd just say yes. Lord, knowing that you're our ultimate provider. God, thank you for this moment and this season that, God, you could get, put this in our spirit. God, that we can counter the spirit of this world with the spirit of generosity. Lord, let us be your people this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll finish up 2 Corinthians next week. And uh, if not, I encourage you, if you haven't been cranking through 2 Corinthians, crank through it. Read through it during the week. Uh, one of the things we do here, we kind of go through a book of the Bible, then a little series, then a book of the Bible, then a little series. So whenever we're going through a book of the Bible, man, eat it up. Amen? Praise God. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.